Hello and welcome to 1995, the 90s sci-fi podcast. In each episode, we'll take a look into a sci-fi property born in the 1990s. From the big hits to the real pieces of media, we'll be looking into some of the more obscure and cult offerings in the SF canon. This episode begins coverage of a property that is quite the cult hit, although it is frequently and unfairly compared to another particular show that I love. Due to the size and expansiveness of this particular show, I'll be taking two episodes to cover it. This first episode will cover the 1993 pilot-slash-movie Babylon 5 The Gathering. It was the dawn of the Third Age of Mankind, ten years after the conflict known as the Earth-Membari War. To prevent another war, the Babylon Project was formed, in an effort to promote peace and cooperation. This would be accomplished with a neutral station constructed in neutral space. It would be a place for diplomats and degenerates, representatives and ruffians, merchants, and mercenaries. The inhabitants were wrapped in 2,500,000 tons of spinning metal, all alone in the night. It's sometimes a dangerous place, but it was their last best hope for peace. This is the story of the last of the Babylon stations. The year is 2257. The name of the place is Babylon 5. If someone were to ask you what Babylon 5 was in a nutshell, that'd be the most succinct way to summarize it. That being said, the lore goes so much farther and deeper that I'll have to narrow my focus for today. In the 1980s, having worked on a number of science fiction television shows, which regularly had gone over budget, J. Michael Straczynski concluded that a lack of long-term planning was to blame. So he began looking at ways a series could be done while still saving money. Many shows featured centralized locations, such as a hospital or police stations or law offices. He decided instead of, quote, going in search of new worlds, building them anew each week. Setting the show on a single space station could save on resources. He was a fan of amazing sagas such as the Foundation series, the novels, not the Apple TV adaptation, Dune, the original six novels, and the Lensman series. You'd be surprised how important that series is and how obscure it still remains. Straczynski wondered why no one had done a television series with the same epic events. Simultaneously, he considered the possibility of combining those two seemingly contrary ideas. Thus, he began to sketch the initial outline for what would become Babylon 5. 
Pitched as a novel made for television, Straczynski went to many studios without much luck, including Paramount, which subsequently produced its own show set on a space station, featuring epic battles. While many Trek purists decry Babylon 5 as a Deep Space Nine ripoff, they're plenty far off the mark. It's clear that the concept of B5 came first, and that DS9 cribbed a few ideas. If you look at both series side by side, you'll begin to see that there are far more differences than similarities. Eventually, Straczynski found interest at Warner Brothers, who greenlit the pilot that we will look at today. Act 1 After the destruction of Babylon's 1, 2, and 3, and the mysterious disappearance of 4, the fifth and final Babylon station has come online under the command of Jeffrey Sinclair. The crew awaits the arrival of the fourth and final alien ambassador, Ambassador Kosh from the Vorlon Empire, a mysterious race that few have seen and even fewer believe exists. A transport ship arrives from Earth with Lita Alexander, a human telepath, joining the station crew, and Del Varner, a civilian. Lieutenant Commander Takashima becomes frustrated when Ambassador Kosh arrives two days ahead of schedule. Due to the mysterious nature of the Vorlons, it's unknown what sort of preparations are required for them. And amidst the chaos of the situation, Ambassador Kosh suddenly falls ill, apparently from poisoning. Chief Medical Officer Dr. Kyle conducts a medical investigation and does his best to prevent Kosh's death, while Security Chief Michael Garibaldi conducts a security investigation. If Kosh dies, the Vorlons will attack and destroy the station. Thus, the crew persuades Lita Alexander to perform an unauthorized mind scan on the unconscious ambassador. As she conducts the scan, Lita sees Commander Sinclair poisoning the ambassador accusing Sinclair of attempted murder. A meeting of Babylon 5's council, made up of delegates from all five races, resolves to extradite the commander to the Vorlon homeworld for trial. Sinclair is told that he'll be deported in 12 hours. Act 2 Garibaldi suspects that Del Varner might have been involved in Kosh's poisoning. Unfortunately, he discovers Varner dead in a fish tank. Lita enters the medical lab where she begins sabotaging Kosh's life support, and when Dr. Kyle realizes what she's doing, he tries to stop her, and she attacks him. At the same moment, the real Lita Alexander enters the room, and her double escapes. Garibaldi learns that Varner had been smuggling illegal items between systems and that he most recently went to the Antares sector to acquire a changeling net, a device that can make an individual appear to look like someone else. The crew realizes that Kosh may not have been poisoned by Sinclair when he arrived at the station, but instead by someone using the changeling net to imitate Sinclair. Since the use of such a device would put out a lot of energy, Takashima uses the station's scanners to pinpoint a high concentration of unidentified energy use. Sinclair and Garibaldi head for the source just as the Vorlons arrive near the station to pick up Sinclair 
for his voyage to their homeworld. Act 3 Sinclair and Garibaldi confront the mysterious assailant. Garibaldi is injured in the firefight and Sinclair faces the assassin himself. The changeling net disabled reveals the assailant to be none other than a Mimbari assassin. The assassin is from the Mimbari warrior caste and he wanted to discredit Sinclair as retribution for Sinclair's role in the Earth Mimbari War 10 years earlier. Sinclair asks the assassin why he did it, and the assassin simply replies, There's a hole in your mind. Sinclair, being informed that the assassin has triggered an explosive charge, manages to get away just before an explosion rips a hole in the station's hull, throwing the station off its axis and beginning to tear it apart from the inside. Takashima uses the station stabilizers to re-establish its axis. The Vorlon delegation, now satisfied of Sinclair's innocence, drops all charges against him. Sinclair reveals to Ambassador Delenn what the Mimbari assassin had said about the hole in his mind. Delenn claims that it's just an old Mimbari insult. Sinclair, however, tells her that he had fought in the climactic battle of the Earth-Mimbari War, the Battle of the Line, and tells her that he lost a 24-hour period just before the Mimbari surrendered, and he can't account for it. With all the drama being settled for the time being, Takashima declares Babylon 5 open and operational. I left a couple of characters and plot points out of the summary for the sake of focusing on the main plot, though admittedly some things will reappear much later. Notably, two of my favorite characters were not mentioned here, but they will get their due in the discussion of the cast in part two of this retrospective. The Gathering is certainly a product of its own time. Originally airing in February of 1993, it was later re-aired with music provided by Christopher Frankie of Tangerine Dream fame, and re-recorded dialogue from Londo Malari, one of the two characters that I will discuss more later. The VFX for the time were outstanding for a television show, with most of the work being accomplished on the infamous Video Toaster hardware. The cinematography certainly gets the job done, but the real star here is the lighting. For a pilot film, there was a larger budget than would be seen in the rest of the series. Thus, a more specialized company was hired for the lighting. Incredible effects such as the Vorlon ship entering the port and the copious amounts of neon in the Zocalo are real highlights. Feedback, however, stated that the pilot was quote-unquote too dark. Not in content, but in a lighting sense. Personally, I really love the realistic lighting scenarios. To me, the pilot makes the station and every situation feel way more grounded, whereas the series is lit as a whole so brightly that you never quite feel like you're there with the characters. It feels more like you're watching something on stage. As with most things in Babylon 5, as you'll come to know, things don't just happen without a reason. When something happens in an episode, it'll be touched upon later in one way or another. Sometimes, seemingly innocuous things can come back in a big way, 
and as we transition to the series proper, you'll come to see Straczynski's clever backup plans ensure the integrity of his tale. The Gathering, as well as other Babylon 5 films, are available for purchase on Amazon. And unfortunately, the series was just removed from HBO Max, at least for the time being. Well, I think that's going to do it for today's episode. We do still have a lot more to cover when it comes to Babylon 5, but I think you'll see why the series is deserving of major praise. Until next time. I'm Commander Sinclair. Welcome to Babylon 5.